Um, it is a privilege and honor tonight um, for Brother Rodney to be here. Um, most of you know him a whole lot better than I do, and you still came to hear him. So thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but I look forward to him coming. So Brother Rodney, come on. Um, the pulpit is yours. Thank you, Brother. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to our church family at Red Hill, because you've already heard me once today. And you came anyway tonight, and you didn't leave during the fellowship time, so that's always a blessing. And I want to say what an honor it is to be here tonight and to uh, preach for you. I appreciate your pastor uh, trusting me to invite me and uh, share the pulpit. And I appreciate uh, this church for the good work that you're doing uh, in this place. And so we pray God's blessings upon you. I know it's a Sunday evening. I know for a lot it's been a long day, so I'll try not to keep you too late this evening. If you have your copy of God's Word, turn it with me to Galatians, the sixth chapter, please. And we'll be there in a few moments. I know that some of you are certainly happy that spring is here officially this past Wednesday. And with spring in the air, I'm sure the gardeners among us, you are getting eager and looking forward to your harvest this year. Do we have any gardeners here, by the way? Let's see your hands. All right, we've got some gardeners among us. Uh, You know, gardening is hard work. And uh, it takes a lot of patience, doesn't it? Uh, In fact, you can plant various types of seeds all at the same time, but they don't germinate. They don't sprout at the same time. They tell me that lettuce and sweet corn and cucumbers only takes about three days for them to sprout. If you're planting tomatoes or peppers and celery and, and so forth, it'll take about a week to see them sprout. But if you're planting parsley and parsnips, you'll have to wait about two weeks. And so you plant them all at the same time, but it takes different time to see them sprout. And then when it comes harvest time, when you're out in your garden and you're looking to see what you're going to have for supper, uh, everything doesn't come off at the same time, does it? You go out one day and you harvest and maybe you have that for supper. You go out the next day, you see what's ready. And uh, patience is the key. You can't rush it. You can scream and stomp all you want to, but it's not going to make it grow any faster. You can even cry and pout, but it's not going to make it grow any faster. In fact, no one in their right mind goes out and plants and expects the harvest on the same day. Patience is needed. You have to wait for the right season in order to harvest. Now, you might be thinking, well, why all this talk about preaching or a gardening tonight, preacher? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I want to show you that what's true in our physical world is also true in the spiritual world. You found Galatians chapter 6, I hope. And I want to share with you a message this evening from my life verse. My life verse. Do you have a life verse? A verse that's especially significant to you? A verse that God has used maybe in a wonderful way in your life? Uh, If so, I'd love to hear your life verse uh, after the service tonight. But the verse that we're going to study tonight is my life verse. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember... When I took it as my life first, I don't even remember the circumstances when I took it. But I can tell you, I was much, much younger and it's been my life first for many years now. And it's helped me and it's encouraged me in a tremendous way many, many times. And if you're in Galatians chapter six, if you'll find the ninth verse, this is my life first. And let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap. If we faint not and let us not be weary, your translation might say, let us not grow weary 
and well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, I want to encourage you, if you have something to take notes with, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture later on. And I want to be an encouragement to you tonight. And I want you to be able to reference these things uh, easily later on. But look at this verse with me. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this good service. Thank you for the music we've already been blessed by. And Lord, I thank you for your presence here with us tonight. And I pray that you'll use your word as it goes forth to encourage, to help, to strengthen. And Lord, I pray if anybody here tonight is not sure and not certain that their sin is forgiven and that heaven is their home. I pray tonight will be the night where they turn from their sin and place their faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I give myself to you this evening and I pray that you'll use me and speak through me and help me to help these precious people. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. And let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I want you to notice some things about that verse with it. Notice, first of all, beloved, that we are doing good. We find here that Paul is addressing believers and he's encouraging them in their well-doing, their good works, the things they've done for Jesus. And, you know, those things are good. These good works, they don't save us. They don't bring us favor with God. We know that Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you save through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But a lot of times we quote those two verses, we forget the tenth verse. The tenth verse says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, the good works in our life, they flow out of our relationship with the Lord. They're not the cause of it, they are the fruit of it. And if you're here tonight and you're trusting in your good works, beloved, to save you, you're lost. Because all of our righteousness are as but filthy rags. And so I encourage you to turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ, righteousness alone. But listen, we've got to be careful, though, as believers, not to underemphasize the importance of good works. They don't save us. They don't keep us saved. They flow out of our relationship with the Lord. They flow out of our salvation. You know, that passage in Ephesians that I just shared with you, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, says that God has good works for us to do. In fact, it says he's preordained them, that we do them, that we walk in them. And uh, you might be thinking, well, preacher, what's included in this whole idea of good works? What does that mean, good works? Well, I think we could summarize it by saying this, beloved, anything that we do... For the glory of God. Anything that we do for the glory of God. Loving your family. Loving your neighbors. Serving in the church. Giving tithes and offerings. Being an honest employee. Giving a full day's work for a uh, full day's pay. Sharing the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, seeking to live the Christian life. Obeying God's word. Anything that we do for the glory of God. Whatever your calling. 
whatever your station in life, whatever ministry God has entrusted to you, those things are to be done to the glory of God. And even those minute things in life that we don't often think about, eating and drinking, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And so whatever you're calling, beloved, whatever your ministry, wherever you find yourself, God, if you're a believer, God has good works that he wants you to do. So the very first word of encouragement I want to give you tonight, dear saint of God, is this. The things that you're doing for Jesus, they're good. They're good. And they're to bring glory to him. We're doing good. Because look at the very next verse. You're in Galatians chapter six, verse nine. Look at verse 10. It talks about this. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men and especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And so we understand from our verse tonight, Galatians 6, 9, that as believers, first of all, as we do these good works, we're doing good. But there's another truth that comes to light. And it's this. We can grow weary. Of doing good. We can grow weary of doing good. Now, the sooner we admit that, the better. We can grow weary in doing good. And let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, why is it that we can grow weary in doing good? Well, beloved, I think one of the first reasons is because we're human. Everybody I see tonight, for the most part, human. And beloved, we are frail. We're weak. In fact, the scripture encourages elsewhere not to grow weary. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse 13. But ye brethren, be not weary in well-doing. So at least two times the Bible tells us not to be weary in doing good. We might be saved tonight. I hope that you are. But we're still prone to, to sin, aren't we? We're still battle temptation. Beloved, we know that we live in a sin-cursed, fallen world. We still deal with our weak flesh. We mess up. We fumble. We falter. We sin. In fact, look at verse 9. Or excuse me, the verse is right before verse 9. Look at verses 7 and 8 of Galatians 6. It says in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth. That shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Now we can either sow to the spirit or sow to the flesh. We sow to the spirit. We do those things that please the Lord. We sow to the flesh. We do those things that please us. We fulfill our flesh, the flesh and the lust of the flesh. And whatever we sow, the Bible says, that's what we're going to reap. You know, when it talks about sowing and reaping, there's some things that are true and that are always true. First of all, you understand that when it comes to sowing and reaping, you reap what you sow. So if you go out and you plant watermelon, you don't expect corn to pop up. You reap what you sow. Furthermore, when it comes to reaping and sowing, you reap more than you sow. And all the gardeners and farmers are glad of that. And furthermore, you know that, beloved, when you sow, you reap later 
than you sow. You don't sow and reap on the same day. Adrian Rogers, that great preacher's in heaven now, he mentioned what many people do in America. He said they spend six days a week sowing their wild oats and come to church on Sunday and pray for crop failure. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You reap what you sow. And if we sow to the flesh, we're prone to grow weary in doing good. So we want to sow to the spirit. And so our humanity works against us in so many ways. Some of you right now, you're battling to do good. You're beginning to get kind of weary and you're beginning to think, boy, it's comfortable in here. And you're trying to stay away. Our flesh battles us in so many ways. And so that's one of the reasons that we can grow weary in doing good. But there's another reason, and that's this. We grow weary sometimes because we see no harvest. In other words, we labor and labor. Now, imagine a gardener. We have several gardeners here tonight. And, and you went out and you planted your garden and you wait and you wait and you cultivate and you, uh, you water and you fertilize and do everything you're supposed to do. But you never, ever see a harvest. And so you say, well, didn't have a good harvest this year. Next year rolls around. Same thing. Well, the third year rolls around and you're beginning to wonder, well, maybe I just need to give this thing up. I just don't have a green thumb. I'm no good at this. You don't see a harvest. Or even worse, you labor and you labor, and maybe it seems that things get worse. In other words, instead of reaping a harvest, it seems that things are going backwards in your life. We can even follow the Lord and become a missionary and leave our home and Leave our family and leave our familiar surroundings and labor and labor. And it seems there's no harvest. One of the great missionaries, William Carey from church history. He went, he arrived in India in 1793. I don't think anybody was around uh, back then, but 1793. And he had a burden to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who had never heard the name of Jesus. And we can't even fathom that because many of us, we were brought up. Singing, Jesus loves me. But there's a whole world of people that don't know the name of Jesus. And he had a burden to go to India and share the gospel. And for seven years he was there and he was preaching the gospel faithfully week after week after week, month after month. And not a single, not a single native of India converted to Christ. Seven years. And he struggled. And he had doubt. And he was often discouraged but never defeated. In fact, he wrote this to his sisters who were back in England. Let me give you Carrie's words. He said, he said, I feel as a farmer does about his crop. Sometimes I think the seed is springing and thus I hope a little blast all and my hopes are gone like a cloud. They were only weeds which appeared or if a little corn sprung up, it quickly dies being either choked with the weeds or parched up by the sun of persecution. Yet I still hope in God and will go forth in his strength and make mention of his righteousness, even of his only. Now, remember, he arrived in 1793 and it wasn't until December the 28th, 1800, that William Carey baptized his first Hindu convert. A carpenter by the name of Krishna Paul. And beloved, that was the beginning of a mighty harvest of souls that God gave under the ministry of William Carey. 
and his co-workers. We've got to remember that there are seasons. We don't always get to see the harvest like we want to. I was reading as another story about a man by the name of Luke Short. And Luke Short died sometime during the 18th century uh, in the colony of Virginia. And the interesting thing about Luke Short was, you know how old he was? He, he was uh, converted at the age of 103. Talk about waiting till the 11th hour. 103 before he came to faith in Jesus Christ. But the interesting thing is how he came to faith in Jesus Christ. He recalled a sermon that he heard by the Puritan John Flavel 85 years before. And 85 years after he heard the sermon, God touched his heart and brought him to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Beloved, this verse that we're thinking about tonight reminds us that we're doing good. But we can grow weary in doing good. And when we get weary in our doing good, we're in great danger. Because there's a third thing I want to share with you, and that's this. We can quit doing good. Did you notice the word in the verse where it says, if? If. And let us not be weary and well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. This is a conditional promise. For in due season, that means at the right time we'll weep if we faint not, if we don't lose heart, if we don't give up, if we don't quit, we'll reap. And maybe you're thinking about your own Christian life. And uh, maybe you say, well, preacher, I've been laboring and I've been laboring for years and I've been looking for the harvest and I don't see anything. Can I just say to you tonight, dear friend, don't quit. Maybe you've been praying for something or someone. You say, if truth be known, I prayed about that person. I prayed about that thing probably 999 times. I prayed about it. I prayed for that person. Well, don't quit. The harvest might come. After the very next prayer, I think it's fair to warn you, dear brother or sister in Christ. We may not always see the harvest here. We may not always see the harvest here. The harvest might come after we're gone. The harvest might be reaped by somebody else at some time later. But regardless, please hear me, dear child of God. You will reap a harvest. You can be assured of a wonderful harvest at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. You will not labor for the Lord Jesus in vain. You know, the judgment seat of Christ is something that should really shock us and thrill us and make us fearful and excited all at the same time. The judgment seat of Jesus Christ is where we as believers will stand before the Lord and our works will be judged. That's nothing to do with our salvation. That's forever settled at the foot of the cross. When we come in repentance and faith. And if you're at the judgment seat of Christ, you're a child of God. But our works are judged. And it says that they're put to the testing fire. And there's wood, hay, and stubble. And there's gold, silver, and precious stones. And they'll be put to the fire. And those things that will remain will be rewarded for those things. And 
I'm convinced what we'll do, beloved, if we receive any crowns is we'll take them and cast them at the lovely feet of Jesus and say, Thou alone art worthy of glory and honor and praise and power. But I don't know about you, but when I stand before the Lord, I want there to be some things in my life where he can say, well done. Now, I know there are things that are going to burn up. I know there are things that are going to not last the testing fires, but my prayer is some will. We don't always get to see the harvest here. We don't always get to see the answer to our prayers here. So we have to keep on laboring. For the Lord anyway. So let me give you some things that will help you in our final few minutes together. To not grow weary in well-doing. In fact, I've got several things I want to give you. And you might just want to jot this down and put the reference out by the side. And I'm going to go through the scripture quickly for the sake of time. But some things I want you to remember. Because listen, it's very easy to grow weary in well-doing. It's very easy to want to quit. It's very easy to want to throw in the towel. It's very easy to go back. You say, well, do preachers ever get discouraged? Do they ever struggle with this? Well, I'm sure Brother Randy would tell you, and I'd be happy to tell you. It does something to you if you preach week after week and month after month and year after year. And sometimes you wonder, is anybody really getting this? Because you don't always see visible results. You don't always see the harvest. And so how are some, what are some ways we can encourage ourselves? Well, let me give you some things to remember. You jot these down. Jot down the reference. You can get to them later. You say, well, I don't get discouraged. You might. You'll need these. Number one, some things to remember. Remember that God's timing is perfect. Remember God's timing is perfect. Jot this reference down, James 5, 7 and 8. James 5, 7 and 8. Let me share it with you. Be patient, therefore, brethren. A lot of us are in trouble already, aren't we, with that verse? Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waited for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. God's timing is always perfect. Let's be honest about it. How many times, dear saint, in recent days have you wondered this? You've been watching the news and you've been reading the newspaper and you wonder how long before Jesus comes? How long before he comes and sets all things right? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And yet we know what? He's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God's timing is perfect. And by the way, in your life, God's timing is perfect. It was Warren Wearsby who said, I think years ago, wrote a book kind of by this title. The problem is that we're in a hurry, but God isn't. God's timing is always perfect. Number two. Remember this. Remember to yield to the Holy Spirit. Remember to yield to the Holy Spirit. Jot this reference down. You probably know this, these verses. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. You know them as the fruit of the Spirit. But it's interesting when you think about this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace. Remember the next one? Long suffering. Long suffering. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. Meekness. Temperance or self-control. Against such there is no law. We need the spirits working in our life to help us, to encourage us, to strengthen us. By the way, I could add this in. One of the reasons we get weary in doing good is because we try to do it in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit working through us and working in us and cooperating with him, realizing that he's at work in our lives and in the lives of others. So remember to yield, surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit. Number three, this is an important one. Remember who you're really working for. Remember who you're really working for. You say, well, I got to teach that Sunday school class and that bunch I've got in there. My goodness. Well, listen, you're not really working for them. And you're not really working for Mount Beulah or Red Hill or wherever you call your church home. By the way, we appreciate you working. We want more like you. But even Brother Randy myself, we're not really working here for those here. Ultimately, who are we working for? We're working for the Lord. Jot these references down. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse one. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy. Listen to what it says. We faint not. That's Second Corinthians chapter four, verse one. If you've got a ministry, the Lord's giving you that ministry. You remember it's his. You you you. Want to grow weary? Then you wait a minute. The Lord entrusted me with this. I dare not faint. Listen to this. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Listen, the Bible says, God says, so shall my word that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereinto I sent it. I wonder by that one story, I wonder what who else responded to John Flavel many, many years before Luke Short did. I wonder what went on in that service. I just wonder if anybody else responded. And surely John Flavel did not know that the words that he preached so touched the heart of someone that 85 years later, the Lord used his word and touched the life of that one. You say, well, listen, I've been teaching class. I've been doing all these things. I work in vacation Bible school. I work in the kids ministry, all these things. And it seems like they just get worse. Be patient, beloved. God has promised that he will fulfill his word. He'll do what he wants to do. And you'll be rewarded for your faithfulness. Write this down. We're almost done. Remember that your work matters. Remember that your work matters. I love this passage. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. You probably know it by heart. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, God has wired us all so differently. I'm glad about that, aren't you? 
The world would be a terrible place if everybody was like Preacher Randy, wouldn't it? It'd be boring, wouldn't it? Not because he's boring, but if we were all the same. I mean, I look out tonight and I see all these different people. You look different. You sound different. You dress different. You sing different. And all of this makes the world such a wonderful place. And we're all together, one in Christ. And God may have given you a ministry that is in the spotlight. You may sing up here. You may teach a class in front of people. Or God may have wired you to where he's called you to have the gift of hospitality or the gift of helps. And you like to work behind the scenes. But the truth of the matter is, beloved, all of those positions are important. I'm reminded on a weekly basis, if it were not for those who work behind the scenes, we could not do what we're doing here. There are those right now, not this church, that are keeping a nursery and they're working with children. There are those who will come in behind and they'll, they'll make sure the building is shut down, the lights are off, and there's someone who makes sure the heat and air was on, and, and all these things. So you're, what you're doing for Jesus matters. No one may ever tell you that. But it does. So, dear child of God, don't grow weary. You're serving the Lord. You'll be rewarded. Your work matters. Then I like this one. Remember your reward. Remember your reward. Jot this reference down. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses nine and ten. We talked about the judgment seat of Christ. This talks about it. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Here's the thing about it, beloved. God may have given you a ministry of intercession and you pray. And that's probably one of the hardest ministries that there is. To get along with God, to shut the door, to shut out distractions, and just get along and pray. There's no fanfare. There's nobody coming by lauding you. But you just pour out your heart to the Lord. God may have given you another ministry. As I said before, it may be something very visible. It may be something behind the scenes. But here's the point. Whatever you do for Jesus... That's truly done for Jesus. You're going to be rewarded for it. You're going to be rewarded for it. When you do it for Jesus with the right motive. And the right heart. And by the way can I just remind you. Sometimes you do it with the right motive and the right heart. And others give you grief over it. Don't lose your reward. Don't lose your temper. Don't lose your testimony. Just remember. One day Jesus. Is going to reward you for that. And let it encourage you. Then let me tell you one more or two more. Remember to pray. Luke chapter 18 verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. Remember what it says? That men ought always to pray and not to faint. One of the greatest helps when it comes to growing weary and growing discouraged is just to go and spend some time Talking to the Lord about it. Lay out before him what it is that you're struggling with. Tell him about the, the, the difficulties. Tell him about how you're weary and 
You say, well, I don't know if I should say that. Well, if you wonder if the Lord could handle it, go back and read the book of Psalms. And see how honest David was in the psalmist. By the way, can I just tell you, you aren't fooling God anyway. He already knows. So bring that burden to the Lord and lay it out before. It's amazing. It's amazing to me what prayer will do to change your outlook, to change your mood. Worship does the same thing. I can't tell you how many times in my life, in my ministry, where I really didn't want to go to church. Say, really? Yeah, I have to. I have to go. But it's amazing when I'm there just a short time. When I'm done, I say, you know what? I'm so glad I went to church. It was a blessing. One more. Remember Jesus. Jot this reference down. Think about it with me. Hebrews 12, 3. Hebrews 12, 3. For consider him. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Listen. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Remember Jesus. Maybe you're growing weary in serving Jesus. Well, if you just took a few minutes and reminded yourself and thought about what Jesus did for you. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't give up? He struggled in the garden, didn't he? Prayed, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. His sweat were, as it were, drops of blood. But he didn't give up. And he went to the cross. And as awful as the human suffering was, beloved, never forget, you have the holy, precious Son of God taking upon him the sin of the world. And all the agony that he endured, but he did not give up. In fact, he endured it all. He drank the cup and he even said what? It is finished. And he didn't give up. And he didn't turn back. And beloved, how can we, who've received his glorious grace and mercy and love, how can we give up? How can we go back? Let us not grow weary And well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I ran across a story that David Jeremiah shared about what happened at Wheaton College. Uh, Seems that Wheaton College on one particular day back in 1943, 23 of their students left Wheaton College to go and fight in World War II. Well, years later, Wheaton College decided to track down those men. And figure out what happened to those men who left. Interestingly enough, remember 23 of them left. 22 of those men returned home. They survived. They returned. But one man who went by the nickname Fritz, Fritz Lang Jr., he died in the Pacific in 1944. Now, Fritz had written 80 letters Uh, From the war describing his efforts to win fellow soldiers to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to share with you what Fritz Lang Jr. wrote. He said, and I quote, I believe the Lord sent me here for a special reason. 
I have talked to many a man about his soul, but has seen no results. Now, just pause for a moment. World War II. He's going to die in World War II. He's witnessing, witnessing, witnessing. Nobody's coming to faith in Christ. But I want you to hear what he said. Here's what he said. But I am sowing seed. Someone else will do the reaping. And then we can both rejoice together. Now, he never came home. Not his earthly home. He went to his heavenly home. And now, can I just tell you that he's going to enjoy the reward of whoever it was that came along and reaped. And David Jeremiah concluded. He said, that's exactly how we feel. We're soldiers for the Lord Jesus deployed here in his service. And all of us would like to see more immediate results. And we pray for them. But don't be discouraged. Our labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know, I told you this is my life verse. And God has used it many times in my life. And let us not be weary. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And as I was preparing the message for this evening, an old song came to my mind. And I thought, oh, how fitting that song is. Sometimes the day seems long, our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away. All tears forever over in God's eternal day. Do you remember it? Sing the chorus with me. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small. When we see Christ, one glance of his dear face, all sorrows will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Father. Help us not to grow weary in your labor. I don't know who this message was for tonight. I don't know who's in this service that's been wanting to give up and quit and turn back. Father, I pray tonight that you would use these words. Use this verse, use this message to give them a fresh infusion of strength, determination, 
encouragement, and victory in their life. Lord, we know that the days are getting dark. And the battle is raging all around us. And more and more we're facing resistance to your good work. But help us to be faithful. Help us to finish. Help us, Lord, please, to be able to stand one day before Jesus. And hear those precious words that we're not worthy to hear. But you said we can hear them. Well done. Well done. May it be so in our lives, I pray in Jesus name.